0: On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in
1: between, this is Brewers Weekly. Here's Greg Mattson. Well, a good Thursday evening to one and all. Appreciate you joining me on Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. Well, a chance to kind of stretch your legs a little bit and uh, and maybe catch your breath if you're a Brewers fan and if you're a member of the Milwaukee Brewers, because tomorrow night, tomorrow night it begins. The Brewers begin a stretch of 31 games In 31 days. You heard that right. Now, there is another off day on the schedule coming up toward the end of August. But, as you might recall, the Brewers and Giants will play a doubleheader in September because of the whole lockout situation, the season starting a little bit later than usual, a couple of series were diced off the schedule, and Major League Baseball had to find a way to make sure those games weren't lost, ensuring a 162-game season. Well, that game against the Giants will be made up on September 8th as part of a double header. The good news is it'll be played in Milwaukee. But nonetheless, a daunting stretch of games on the horizon here for the Milwaukee Brewers, who are now a half game back of the Cardinals for first place in the NL Central. Hat tip to the Rockies for an eight six win over the Cardinals today. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the Akinette Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of ground to cover here. Uh, we will play some comments from David Stearns. He joined us on Wisconsin's Morning News uh, earlier today. Uh, I want to get more into the stretch of games the Brewers are playing, because I think a, a couple of things really jump off the page to me. Number one, just the volume of games that will be played in the next month, right? 31 days, calendar month, taking us to yeah, you know, the early portion of September, second week of September, is extreme. And this is what happens around this time of the year. And there are a couple of baked-in off days in the month of September, assuming there are no rainouts along the way or postponed games or anything weird happens. But you're looking at a gauntlet. But beyond the volume of games is the quality of opponent. It is something I want to analyze here as we get into the depth of the Brewers' season. Still in playoff contention, of course, right there for really everything they had in mind at the start of the season. Uh, Got a little work to do to get back into the uh, sunny side of things in the playoff picture. Uh, But, hey, they got... Started with a little momentum building in back-to-back wins over the Rays. But I want to start with this. I I, I saw Josh Hader's performance against the San Diego Padres a couple of nights ago. It was his first save opportunity, and it was an absolute disaster. It was a complete mess. Uh, The Padres, to their credit, were able to rally and win, but they had a 4-1 lead in the ninth inning. Hader enters the game. He gives up three runs, he throws 37 pitches, he's throwing walks, he's just, it, it, it's a mess for Josh Hader on the mound. Now, if part of me wonders, okay, is this a continuation of what happened in the month of July? Is it a blip on the radar? Is it a hiccup? But I know people look at this kind of stuff, and I'm guilty of it too. When prospects are traded, I tend to you know dig in, I, I, I check in maybe uh, a year later just to see where those prospects are. Did the Brewers win that trade? Did the whatever team win that trade? And in the short term, it looks like the Padres have loaded up. There's no question about that. They are in go-for-it mode. But what will it take for you to believe the Brewers won the trade with the Padres? 855-616-1620. I'll let you noodle on that for a minute. What would it take for you to believe the Brewers won the trade with the Padres involving Josh Hader? And I have to remember the return. A couple of prospects who are now in the top ten of the organization a couple of pitchers one of which was already designated for assignment another is with the team kind of in a setup role unable to pitch in the Brewers most recent game because of a cortisone shot in his knee also taylor rogers uh, appears to be a rental i suppose he could stay with milwaukee but his contract does expire after this season we'll get to your thoughts coming up in a moment first of all How did it all go down yesterday at American Family Field? Entertaining game against the Rays, really an entertaining series against the team. The Brewers have uh, found a way to dismiss time in and time out with close games, entertaining games, and that was the case certainly yesterday in Milwaukee. Let's get you caught up to speed on Brewers Rewind. Brandon Woodruff on the mound to close out the series and homestand for the Brewers, and he would be staked to an early lead. Woodruff worked through the first. Then it was Milwaukee's turn, and they were able to put a crooked number on the board. Springs, deals, line to left center.
0: Get down, ball, get down. It's a base hit. Cutchin is going to score. The is in there.
1: Bob Uecker with the call, that gave the Brewers a 1-0 lead, a base hit from Mike Brasso, an RBI single for Brasso, and the Brewers weren't done scoring. Springs deals again, swinging a broken bat flare into shuttle left center, get down baby, it
0: is a base hit, a run's going to score, on to third is Renfro, and Keston here delivers.
1: Keston here delivering after Mike Brasso. Brewers had a 2 nothing lead. And Brandon Woodruff doesn't need much, that is for sure. Slowly but surely, however, the Rays were able to sort of pick away at the Brewers, whose bats went a little bit quiet after that first inning. Woodruff kicks, Woodruff and, kicks delivers, and delivers, and it's lined over the glove of Urias and into right
0: field. Three. Around third is the he runner, is and Mejia is going to score. The throw back to second base, base is not going to be in time. And Peralta, and Peralta with, an with an RBI single and, RBI single single and,
1: and then takes second, and on second, second on the throw, on the the throw home. home. Yeah, some sloppiness there, just uh, Andrew McCutcheon tried to shoot out a runner at the home plate and uh, allowed a runner to advance to second base. Uh, The Brewers do that from time to time. Uh, Taking a chance, missing a cutoff man, ultimately a runner was able to advance. But that's where the run scoring stopped, so it was 2-1 Brewers entering the fifth inning. Woodruff back on the mound for Milwaukee, and he was... In the west, the
0: the pitch, pitch. line Line to left, deep, problems, gone... Yu Chang has just tied the game with a line drive, yeah. drive rocket out of rocket here, out left.
1: Of here. Yeah, I thought there was a missile out to left field, and it tied the game at two. It was a pretty entertaining series for Tyrone Taylor. He uh, brought a home run back in game one of the series and didn't bring a home run back in game two, the series finale against the Rays, but he did potentially save the Rays from taking a lead in the fifth.
0: Swinging a liner into center and a diving grab by Tyrone Taylor.
1: Yeah, sold out in center field. Kind of looked like uh, Robin Yount preserving the no hitter for Juan Davis back in 1987. Taylor uh, having a solid season for the Milwaukee Brewers, no doubt about that. But again, the Brewers were retired. They gone. Pretty quiet through the middle portion of the game. Rays had some of their better arms on the mound. They've got a solid bullpen, especially the high leverage guys. And ultimately, Tampa Bay was able to take its first lead in the seventh. The pitch, a high fly ball deep left. Yellich back at the warning track, and that ball's
0: gone. Rays take the lead on a solo home run from a Arena. His first hit of this series, and it's a big one. It puts the Rays up 3-2.
1: to two. That was about it for Brandon Woder. If he did work through the seventh inning, allowing three runs all earned to his ledger. So the Rays held on. They were leading 3-2 in the eighth inning. Looked like they were going to add to their lead. Boxberger on the mound for the Brewers. Normally very reliable. A lot, a little bit of traffic. In fact, there was a runner on third with one out. Craig Council went to the bullpen and called upon Hobie Milner.
0: The pitch to him. Hey! Struck him out looking. And the inning is over. What a job. Hobie Milner. He strikes out low and Paredes. No further damage. The Rays leave the bases loaded.
1: Pretty amazing stuff from Hobie Milner. A Houdini act after uh, some traffic put on the bases by Boxberger. He gets out of it with back-to-back strikeouts. Still, the Brewers' offense did very little to inspire confidence outside of that first inning. And when it came down to it, it was Rowdy Telez in the batter's box facing a lefty with a 3-2 count. Tellez
0: to center and deep.
1: and American Family Field was upside down. Brewers were not able to add to their run total in the ninth inning, but, hey, did well enough to get the game tied and send it to extra innings. Remember, a runner starts on second base when extra innings hit. Defense is typically... Called upon, unless you got a guy who can miss bats in the back end of your bullpen, fielders got a field, and field they did for the crew. Williams brings home the first
0: pitch, and Walls chops one to first base. Telez across the field to third, and they cut down the runner. Oh, what a heads up play by Roddy Telez. Sharply hit ground ball, he was playing in, and he picked it and
1: made that throw to third, and Mejia is gone. If Telez is playing at a standard depth, he's probably not going to make that throw to third base. But instead, uh, heads up, plays in far enough to cut down the lead runner. So the complexion of the inning changes. A runner did reach first base, and he got cut down trying to steal second. Devin with a long look in. There goes the runner. Swing and a miss. The throw to second is
0: in time. Caratini to Wong. And Walls is gone, and just like that, the bases are empty.
1: From his knees, Victor Caratini fired a dart. Great tag by Colton Wong. Defense shining for the Brewers in that 10th inning. When it came to the Brewers, half of the inning did not take them long to take the lead and win the game. Willie, ground ball left side. That's going to get through. Taylor around third. The throw to the plate
0: is going to be late. And the Brewers walk off the Rays. Willie Adamas walks off his former club. And the Brewers have swept this two game series. Four to three year final.
1: Brandon Wood affirms a no decision. Seven innings pitched. He allowed three runs, all earned. Devin Williams picks up the win with his scoreless inning of work. Brewers uh, get the win coming from behind. After losing a lead. So impressive stuff from the Brewers. They improved to 60-50, and 12-4 in interleague play. Boy, just get to the World Series, right? Everything will be fine for your Milwaukee Brewers. They'll take a two-game win streak into St. Louis, where game one of a three-game series will be played on Friday night. We'll go through the pitching matchups as well before we get out of here. The talk and text line is open at 855-616-1620. Simple question for you here. What will it take for you... To feel like the Brewers won the Josh Hader trade. We'll get to your thoughts and got some to share myself. After this, it's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
0: This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
1: Welcome back to the program. Greg Matzik with you until 9 o'clock here on WTMJ. In fact, uh, watching some baseball here in the studio. Uh, It's the Cubs and Reds playing in the Field of Dreams game in Dyersville, Iowa. So uh, it's the second time they've done this. And I I must say, if you are there, if you're in Dyersville, Iowa, watching this game or attending the game, it has got to be an absolute thrill. I've never been there. I don't know if any of our listeners, people uh, paying attention to this program, have ever been through the Field of Dreams area, gone to see a game, maybe had a kid play Little League ball. So the field they're playing on is is not the actual field you see in the movie, Field of Dreams. No, that exists still, but they had to make a field that was a little bit more major league ready. Uh, I think it seats about 6,000 people. There's, I don't know, standard advertising. But there's also a very non standard cornfield uh, in left, center, and right. I mean, it's literally a, a little village, if you will, right in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, it looks like a lot of shadows when you watch the TV broadcast. You know, not the same lighting that you might have uh, at American Family Field or any major league ballpark, for that matter. But I have to imagine it's a thrill to play in this kind of space. Uh, you talked to David Stearns about that earlier this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. I, we asked him, are, are you signing up? Are you in? If somebody comes calling and says, we'd like the Milwaukee Brewers to play in the Field of Dreams game, and he said, absolutely, sign me up. We would love to play in this game. Uh, I've never been there. It looks like an incredible place. It would be a fun little road trip to take, maybe stop at a brewery along the way, but uh, but baseball being played in the middle of a cornfield tonight in Dyersville, Iowa. And for those keeping score at home, the Cubs lead the Reds 4 nothing. Rockies beat the Cardinals earlier today, 8-6. It was an afternoon game. That will allow the Cardinals to get home to begin the series tomorrow against the Brewers. In fact, I think the Brewers were in St. Louis before that game even got through. So the Brewers will have spent more time on the ground in Missouri than the Cardinals going into this series. And perhaps most important, Rockies got a win. So the Brewers' deficit is now one half a game. But what will it take for you to believe the Brewers won the Josh Hader trade? 855-616-1620 If you'd like to join us, let's check in with Ben in New Berlin. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Ben.
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, sure. What you got? Um, I got the. Yeah, the three things that I really think that would dictate whether we won or lost is one whether or not we're able to see Gasser and Ruiz in the next two to three years. I know we got some young guys, and I'd love to be able to see them. Uh, two, if we can get a healthy Taylor Rogers, I know he's been injured for a little bit, and he's been hiding it, and I hear it just came out. He's got to, uh, got to take a shot, and he's been struggling with it. As long as he comes back and performs, I'm sure he'll be fine. And three, if Devin Williams can pitch well. I really think that if he, if he steps up, I know Hayter was his idol, but if I think that if he steps up and he's able to pitch well, I think we're going to get better than what we'd get with Hader this second half of the season. I know, like you mentioned earlier, Hader's been struggling a little bit, and I think it's going to continue. So those are the three things. Prospect's coming up quick. healthy. Let me ask
1: you this. So if if the Brewers don't make the playoffs, do you think it'll be more because their bats let them down or the back end of the bullpen let them down?
2: Easily the bats. I mean, everyone's saying, yes, we should have picked up a bat. Yes, we should have. But in the current situation, in that particular trade, I don't think that – that particular trade really dictates um, whether or not we, we make the playoffs or not, because we're not going to see three of those guys we picked up. And uh, Hurt Taylor Rogers is obviously tough as well.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Ben. You know, yeah, the, the Taylor Rogers thing is a, a little perplexing. I, I do wonder what the Brewers knew before that trade was made. Um, I, I don't know that it's a deal-breaker, right? He's been able to pitch. He will be able to pitch in the future. He was not available for the Brewers yesterday because he had a cortisone shot in his knee. Uh, it, this is something that's been bugging him throughout the season, so it's just sort of in pain management mode, I think, at this point, uh, which is fine. You can deal with that and then maybe have a minor scope or a procedure done in the off season. I, I do feel like Taylor Rogers is a bit of a rental, so, you know, as I look at this situation, I see... It, it, it's, it's all about the prospects, right? It's, a, it's about the, the kid Gasser at AA, who had a great first start, five innings, no runs. It's about Ruiz, who very quickly started to grow in the Padres' top 30 prospect list, and both are now in the Brewers' top 10 prospect list. And, and the Brewers' minor league system is, I think, in better shape than it's really given credit for. AAA is is absolutely loaded right now. Um, the disappointing DFA of Dillis and Lament just removes an arm and a piece to the puzzle that you thought you might be able to count on this season, maybe next. Um, and I, th- I think I look at Rodgers more like a rental, but it's certainly possible he could come back. So I boil it down to what can Taylor Rodgers give you this year in a short rental period, a couple of months, and what do the prospects evolve into? Now, I don't want to over-dramatize things, but to me, the Brewers win this trade If Hader leaves San Diego because he's just priced way out of their orbit, or more importantly, if the Brewers win a World Series, right? That stamps it. That stamps it. Why was it right for the Packers to move on from Brett Favre? Well, many didn't feel like it was. And then the Packers won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and you said, well, I guess Ted was right. So I I get it. The, The sting of the Josh Hader trade is maybe slowly dissipating from that clubhouse, But it was pretty substantial, and and I think the play on the field reflected it. So if you rebound from that, if you believe the Brewers aren't appreciably worse without Josh Hader, which I believe, then you still feel pretty good about their playoff chances. But there is no measurement. There is no analytical measurement for what the clubhouse vibe is all about. And I think it was a challenging week from a clubhouse chemistry, Q&A, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense, right? I, I think they're through that now. That's why I thought the last two games against Tampa Bay were so critical to win. And to win the way they did it, too, kind of says, look, we can do this. That was a tight game. High leverage inning relievers were called upon, and the Brewers got it done. Very much a team and collective effort. 855 616 six twenty the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Text line is uh, popping off. We'll get to some of your comments coming up on the other side. And 31 games in 31 days. Just how daunting a stretch is this for the Milwaukee Brewers? We'll take a deeper dive after this on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly. We've got a, a stretch of the schedule here with a lot of baseball. We're playing the big and this is going to tell us a lot about our team. Brewers President of Baseball Operations, David Stearns, a guest on Wisconsin's Morning News earlier today. Uh, I mentioned it and it bears repeating here. Thirty one games, thirty one days for the Brewers. It begins tomorrow in St. Louis against the Cardinals. Uh it is quite a stretch here for the Brewers. So it not only in terms of, you know, volume of games, but I think strength of schedule, it also jumps off the page. You've got your division opponents, don't get me wrong. A trip to Chicago to face the Cubs, get Chicago at home, Pittsburgh at home, apparently nothing easy about facing them. You've got the Reds a couple of times, seven games against the Cardinals, and plenty of NL West flavor from here on out. You've got two series with the Dodgers, four in Milwaukee, three in Los Angeles. That's all before the month of September. Oh, by the way, you've got the Yankees as well coming to American Family Field. And then the Mets. So you've got six straight games against teams from New York, all at home. And these are both division-leading teams. You know, the Mets are among the best teams in all of baseball. Same with the Yankees. So, uh, oh, by the way, there's a doubleheader there as well on uh, September 8th against the Giants. So in terms of health, my goodness, it is critical the Brewers remain A healthy unit. They are, by and large, a healthy team right now. They'll get Omar Narvaez back before too long. But this is not the kind of time to lose a starting arm, especially one of your big dogs Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. You're just getting closer to the point of not being able to recover from any sort of injured list stint. 855-616-1620, Eight five five six one six one six twenty, the Academic Mortgage Talk and text line. Got a lot of notes on the text line here regarding the trade of Josh Hader. What will it take for you to believe the Brewers won that trade? Yeah, World Series. I, I got somebody laughing at me saying, dream on, World Series, come on, uh, with an upside-down smiley face. I get it, but that will tell me the Brewers won the trade. It may not happen, but that would certainly rubber stamp it. And of course, if the prospects the Brewers got in return are contributors to a World Series team, that's a big piece of it as well. If Hater struggles, it's because he's in a new environment with new teammates from the four one four. Uh, that's probably correct. I think he'll rebound. It was an, an awful debut in a safe situation for Hater, and he had an awful month of July. So it, now you're talking about a sample size that's pretty big. For a guy I've deemed as the most dominant closer in Brewer's history. I'm certainly not alone in feeling that. A note from the 414 saying, nothing. Brewer's lost the trade, no question. I think that is a very short-sighted view, although I'm not pleased with the trade. Uh, I don't believe the Brewers are appreciably worse. However, I do believe they removed a player who can miss bats. And when you get into one-run games... Two-run games, protecting a very minimal, minus uh, minuscule lead in a playoff game, regular season game, doesn't matter. You need somebody who can miss a bat. And nobody misses bats better in Major League Baseball than Josh Hader. Uh, Got a note from Chuck saying, I'm not sure yet who won the trade, but we might have one of the best GMs in baseball. I kind of trust him. David Stearns really hasn't made too many mistakes. It's also true. It's also true. I see, you can believe the Brewers acted in haste in trading Josh Hader and you can be frustrated with that and you can also believe the pieces they got in return will help them and potentially overall win this trade. Now, I'm kind of in that middle ground so I thought Josh Hader would be gone after this season. I do think the Brewers moved him earlier uh, certainly than I expected. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. if you'd like to chime in here. Uh, I do want to get to some of the uh, highlights from the weekend, alumni weekend I had some thoughts regarding Yeah, just seeing Prince Fielder, Raleigh Fingers, Robin Yount, uh, and the like walking around American Family Field. That was pretty special stuff. But I do, on the other side, want to go through some of the names. Some of the names the Brewers have traded away as they have looked to fortify the roster. We'll go back to 2017. See if you remember any of these names in Brewers history. We'll do it after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I think part of the trick in establishing a view on the Josh Hader trade, aside of you know frustration that you lost a four-time All-Star, I, part of the trick, I think, in, in figuring out who won the trade, who lost the trade, and it always takes a little bit of time to figure that out, is I, the Brewers have not really been in a position to trade away their All-Stars. I mean, it's been a while since the Brewers have done that. In fact, you want to go back... You know, uh, it several years ago, with uh, the trading of Carlos Gomez and Mike Fiers, it was a prospect haul from the Houston Astros coming back to Milwaukee that included Josh Hader and Adrian Hauser and Domingo Santana and Brett Phillips. And that was part of, you know, the, the backbone of the Brewers' minor league system that trickled into the major leagues. Remember we saw Phillips and Santana right away. Santana kind of took off with the Brewers uh, in the early going. Phillips was the highest-rated prospect, and you know he's, I think, right now looking for work. Hauser was the last one to join out of that group, working his way through the minor leagues. And Josh Hader, we were trying to figure out, well, what do you do with this guy? My goodness, he's got a funky delivery and crazy stuff. He throws hard. Everything looks like elbows and knees coming at you. And is he a starter? Is he a reliever? He's doing two-and-a-half innings or two-and-a-third innings in triple-A but he's starting the games like, what is this guy? He's just a pitcher, man, just a tough-as-nails pitcher. Good luck with that guy. That trade worked out in the Brewers' favor. But I'm going to give you some names. And see if you remember your feelings about these players when they were traded away. Now, I'll tell you the player they were traded for uh, who came back to Milwaukee in the deal. So if you want to go back to 2017... Uh, Brewers that year acquired Neil Walker, Jeremy Jeffress, Anthony Swarzak. So Walker was kind of a first baseman, sort of a utility player. Uh, Jeffress and Swarzak back end of the bullpen. The biggest name dealt that year was was Ryan Cordell. And, and Ryan Cordell was a piece acquired in a trade in the uh, Christian Yelich trade. Uh, he's now out of baseball, right? He just... He ain't playing anymore. He ultimately ended up at the White Sox, but he is not playing baseball. He was the biggest name traded in that trade deadline season of 2017. In 2018, the Brewers traded Brett Phillips and Jorge Lopez and Jonathan VR. Those are some of the bigger names who were dealt. At the time, K.J. Harrison was looked at as a, uh, an interesting prospect. Gilbert Lara was very young at that time. So who jumps off the page there? Well, Brett Phillips might be the biggest name, maybe Jonathan VR. It's actually Jorge Lopez who turned into an all-star. In fact, he is the only player that I'm looking at 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2021. He is the only player I look at and say, man, it'd still be nice to have that guy. Because he made himself into an all-star. Now, keep in mind, the Brewers got Mike Moustakis for him, and Moustakis came back for another year on a one-year deal. So he was not just a rental But overall, I think that trade worked out pretty well for the Brewers. Brett Phillips just DFA'd by the Rays and is out of a job at the moment. Mauricio Dubon, infielder, talented, multi-position. He was ready to break through, join the team, and then he had an illness and an injury. And it just all kind of blew apart for Mauricio Dubon. It looked like he was going to unseat Jonathan VR. He was dealt for Drew Pomeranz, who was struggling as a starter and then moved to the bullpen. For the San Francisco Giants, and ultimately became unhittable for the Brewers. Meanwhile, Dubon, it's just been kind of average at best. Subpar, I think, in his major league opportunities. The point of it is, David Stearns doesn't miss many trades. He just doesn't. Jonathan Scope didn't work out. That's the one. that He really jumps off the page. And there are others that were just sort of like, eh. But you have to consider who was dealt in that trade. What are they doing? Jonathan Scope didn't work. I hope this one works. The track record for David Stearns making trades for the Brewers since 2017, when the Brewers truly became competitive, his trades tend to pan out. Time will tell on this one to Josh Hader. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Wondership Gears coming back on the other side. I I don't know if you were at the park over the weekend uh, celebrating the alumni that were brought back, the 1982 World Series team fielder Lou Croy, Braun. I want to get your thoughts, and is there a player out of that group that you have the fondest of memories when you think about that player? Right, Something just flashes back in your mind, and you just cannot erase that memory from yourself. You want to hold on to that memory. You are taken to a time and a place because of that player. 855-616-1620, the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
0: This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
1: Good to see Ryan Braun and so many former brewers back at American Family Field last weekend. Uh, It was alumni weekend honoring and celebrating the 1982 World Series team. Ryan Braun, Jonathan Lucroy, Prince Fielder, inducted into the Wall of Fame, Fielder, the Walk of Honor. Um, Pretty amazing stuff. It was really cool to see all those guys back in a brewer's uniform. The one guy who sort of stopped me in my tracks. And, uh, you know, I arrived at the ballpark. Uh, shortly before things got underway on Saturday, and uh, you know, Jonathan Lucroy is being introduced. Nice ovation for Lucroy. Uh, really had a great few years for the Brewers, was an all-star. Ryan Braun, of course, uh, had kind of a tumultuous career, a little bit up and down, right? The highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but ultimately will go down as, a, you know, just a long-tenured brewer and had some brilliant moments as a brewer during his time in Milwaukee. Prince Fielder made me stop in my tracks. I, when when Prince was introduced, I had to just you know kind of put my bag down, forget about everything else that I was doing, and just focus on Prince. Prince Fielder was an unbelievable Milwaukee Brewer, and he is so rightly deserving of his honor last weekend. Yount Mobiter. You even think about fingers for what he meant to that 1982 team. But really, Yount and Molitor, Gantner, uh, these are longtime brewers, guys who were around forever, right? Played the bulk of their career, and in the case of Yount and Gantner, all of their career with the Milwaukee Brewers. Molitor had over a decade in a brewer's uniform. Prince Fielder represented something totally different for the Milwaukee Brewers, right? He came with star name appeal. His dad had done it before at a high level with the Detroit Tigers hitting 50 home runs in a season. So the Brewers draft Prince in 2002. And he joined a group of highly touted players who were supposed to bring a postseason berth back to Milwaukee for the first time since 1982. It was Fielder. It was Weeks. It was Hardy. It was Braun. It was Giovanni Gallardo, if you want to go a little further. Corey Hart was involved in that group. And, of course, a hat tip to CC Sabathia, who put the entire franchise and city, for goodness sake, on his back. But everybody thought Fielder was better suited for the American League. He could be a DH. He could mix in a couple of starts at first. His power was not in doubt, but people thought his weight would be an issue. His durability was in question. You know how many games Prince Fielder missed? In six seasons with the Milwaukee Brewers, Justin Podger is producing the program. He is, uh, admittedly, a Cubs fan, but I know he's paid attention to the Brewers. Justin, I'm going to have you guess: in six seasons as a regular on the Brewers' roster, how many games did Prince Fielder miss? Keep in mind, he was a, I don't know, 285-pound sort of bowling ball power hitter of a first baseman.
2: Yeah. Um. Jeez, let's go. Let's go upwards. Let's go 20, 30.
1: He missed 13 games. Wow. The fewest games Prince played in a season as a regular for the Brewers is 157. I just think about these days off and, you know, load management and all that. Uh Uh-uh. Prince heard it all. He heard all about the the weight issues. He's not going to be durable. And every time he took the field, it was a giant flip of the middle finger toward anybody who doubted his ability to be on the field. But along with that was ridiculous production. I mean, he averaged 38 home runs in that six-year span. Twice, he hit 299. Three times in six years, he was in the top four in MVP voting. Like people, this is like all-time great stuff in Brewers franchise history. You know, the problem is it's just a little short-lived. But that six-year window, I find me a more productive window from a player in Brewers franchise history. It is difficult to find because he did it all. He did it in the field. He did it at the plate. He played, he produced, and he was an incredible leader. You always knew when Prince Fielder was around. More Brewers Weekly after this on WTMJ. Wrapping up Brewers Weekly on WTMJ, Greg Matzik with you. Just a couple minutes left here in the show. Let's check in with Charlie in Oshkosh, joining us in WTMJ. Hi, Charlie.
3: Hey, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. I heard your voice yeah. early this morning. Now I'm talking to you late at night. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you can see we're be to bed Bruce pretty soon. Fans, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, are a little frustrated. I mean, the four for hater. I I didn't mind them making the trade. I just kind of surprised at what they got back. I guess that. Um, You know, Lamette, I I don't understand that one. He had two scoreless innings, I see, the other day for Colorado already. Um, And now Rodgers being hurt a little bit and the other two in the minors. So, um, when you know, probably one of the top 10, 12 players in all of baseball. And, um, you know, it's just a little frustrating that way. But um, I think Williams would do fine. Um, I guess Rosenthal is um, a key guy in kind of this whole puzzle. Uh, They traded a pretty good prospect for him, and they're paying him pretty good money, and he doesn't even pitch till September, and they just cut McGee. So um, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle, and if he does really well, that's going to help me feel a little better. Thanks.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Thanks for uh, listening, too, as well, Charlie, up in uh, Oshkosh, my alma mater, UW Oshkosh. I, you know, this bullpen still has more questions than answers right now. I think Craig Council is sorting through his options. I mean, it seems relatively clear that Devin Williams is your, your closer. Taylor Rogers or Brad Boxberger could be used in the seventh and eighth inning. I think throwing a guy like Hobie Milner to help get you out of a jam, he did that in the late innings of yesterday's game against Tampa Bay. Uh, aside of that, I'm, I'm not sure who else you feel real comfortable with taking on a high leverage inning. Uh, and, and that may be a very short list uh, of the guys I mentioned. Now, Rosenthal becomes interesting because uh, he's got legit stuff when healthy, but he hasn't been healthy. Like, like there's there's a reason he was just sort of available. Um, uh, and, and he just went to the Giants, and then the Brewers had to trade for him, which tells me the Brewers were hoping to maybe get him prior to that point where they had to make a trade, uh, and it just didn't work out. I, I guess beyond it all, I I was a little frustrated that Hater was the headline move. Like, okay, he gets dealt, and it's like, okay, well, what else is there? Well, who else is coming back? What, What are we doing? Where's Juan Soto going? And that next move to help sort of balance things out in your mind never really happened. Matt Bush might be fine for the Brewers down the stretch. I kind of left him out of the high-leverage inning discussion, but I do believe he belongs in that category. He did close a game the other night and looked dominant doing so. He'll factor in. I don't believe the Brewers are that much worse than they were prior to the hater trade. I, I really don't. But I do believe the clubhouse was stung, and it's taken them a minute to rebound from an event they did not see coming. Right, I think about it. You got a three game lead in first place in the NL Central Division. It's trade deadline week. Rumors are flying. You're in the clubhouse. Uh, you're checking Twitter all day long. Alright, who are we getting? Who are we getting? Right? Because you don't have a relationship with the prospects. Uh, Willie Adamas doesn't know the AA anybody or the AAA anybody aside of a couple of guys he may have met at Spring Train, which was shortened this year. Right, I mean that that built-in chemistry, relationship, friendship, that really hasn't developed. So when a minor leaguer gets moved, and a name-brand guy comes in, hey, we're going for it. Feels great. The Mike Moustakas deal. Yes, let's get creative. Let's do this thing. You don't expect the move to be made that takes away a four-time All-Star when you're a first-place team. That does not happen very often. So I get the sting. I get that's a tough pill to swallow and the Brewers have to find a way to rebound. No doubt about it. Good steps forward here with those wins against Tampa Bay. We will be back tomorrow night with Brewers warm-up in advance of the Brewers and Cardinals, game one of a three-game series. Eric Lauer, Corbin Burns, Aaron Aspier are scheduled starters. We'll see if it plays out that way as the Brewers face the Cardinals in a critical three-game series. Get a win. All of a sudden, you're back on top of the NL Central. Thanks for being a part of our program. Thanks to Justin for producing the program. We'll join you again tomorrow night with Brewers warm-up, the Brewers game, and then Brewers extra innings on WTMJ.